Welcome to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Griego-Kyle of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, we discuss sustainable impact investing, creating portfolios that match your values, and a variety of other topics such as financial education, social justice, and sustainable food systems. Do you want to know if your investments seek the kind of accountability from corporations that you demand? Listen in as we explore the burning question, are you investing like you give a damn? Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Grego Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. Kim, how are you? I am doing pretty good. And you? Fantastic. I'm excited to get back together today with you for this podcast. You always have great information. And this podcast is something different, something I've really, I'll be honest, 100% never thought about. Yeah. I, and I think I've thought about it, but it really kind of hit home for me about a month ago. So we'll talk about that too. Okay. I was calling this podcast, you know, I like to, sometimes I'm, sometimes I'm funny. Uh, where in the world is sustainable healthcare? Like Carmen San Diego. Right. <laughs> yeah. I got that right off the bat. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, it's it's maybe a bit strange to some people, but we really need to look at a more sustainable healthcare system. And I just wonder, and you probably wonder, is there really such a thing as sustainable healthcare? Well, I'm wondering how, right? I mean, what do you mean by sustainable? Are we talking like the syringes that are all plastic and, you know, there's they're using so many of them that those need to be changed in a way. So they're more recyclable or, or are we talking uh, just resources in general footprints? I mean, I guess we can go in all those different directions. We today. can. And okay. resources are absolutely a part of it, but the other piece of it is providing better and more access to healthcare oh, Okay. for not just us citizens, but globally. And before we kind of go into the whole process of what it is, I want to tell you and the listeners why this came up for me. All right. So as you know, you know, listeners probably don't, uh, we took a much delayed via COVID time trip that we'd been dreaming of for a while. And we took a a riverboat cruise down Mm. the Danube. And what should have, I know it was... The first half of it was great. So midway through, I had a medical issue. I, I developed sciatica so bad oh. I couldn't walk. And it, by this time, when it really was bad, we were in Budapest. Oh, boy. And while it's probably a really lovely city, I, first of all, I saw none of it except for <laughs> a hospital and some physicians' offices. Now, the hospitals in Budapest or Hungary are very much like what you would imagine a, a hospital to be during the Cold War era. I don't wow. think they ever left. Mm. <laughs> so it was a little frightening. And, uh, you know, I, first of all, I had travel insurance, so everything turned out fine. But it was really interesting to see the, and I won't go into the gory details because it was pretty intense uh, in the hospital. And 
I, I was thinking literally as I'm there in pain, wow, this is the healthcare that is being provided to the citizens of Hungary. It was shocking actually. Now we can compare that to a trip that my son took when he was 14. Mind you, he's 31 now. <laughs> he did a bicycle tour in France with a group. Hmm. And yeah, I know it was, it was amazing for him, but he uh, crashed coming down one of the mountains and had to go to a hospital in France. Amazing, amazing experience for him. We never paid a penny because they have a universal healthcare system. And honestly, it was, I, I expected we'd have to pay something, but nope, never charged us. Not for the, wow. not for the hospital visit. He was fine, by the way. Oh, good. <laughs> so a little beat up. <laughs> I should mention that. How was the bike? Uh, uh the bike was okay. Oh, yeah. oh, good, I think good. it got a little tweaked and he was a little bruised, but it was all, yeah. it was all good. And he went on for the rest of the trip and had a great time. All right. Um, and then, you know, another time we were in Mexico and I know some people think that healthcare in Mexico is not that great, but, um, my wife Rose broke her finger. Oh. Uh, yeah. The second to last day of our vacation. And, you know, we had to go to a hospital in Cancun and it was absolutely amazing. It was honestly the cleanest oh. hospital I've ever been in in my entire life. Wow. So that's saying something. It is right. And you know, it's interesting because there's such a big difference between the different healthcare systems of these countries. And then of course our healthcare system, which I'm going to honestly say, I think is kind of a mess. Mm. Right. So these are my three different experiences with healthcare outside of the country. And, you know, it made me really start to think about what is universal healthcare or nationalized healthcare, people have, you know, a couple different names for them. Mm -hmm. uh, the World Health, Health Organization defines it as universal health coverage, where all people have access to the health services that they need, when and where they need them, without financial hardship. Oh, <laughs> right? that knocks out most of the US. It absolutely does, Jeez. because the one of the biggest reasons people file for bankruptcy is medical debt. Mm. And, you know, I, I don't know who said this, but, uh, you know, a lot of people are literally one medical emergency away from a financially devastating experience. So yeah. it's, in it, it's interesting because it, when I was doing research, you know, I love to do that. The earliest example of universal healthcare coverage is from the 1880s. Mm. <laughs> I was like, what? Uh, so in Germany, Chancellor Otto von Bismarck, I love these names, uh, he introduced uh, bills guaranteeing access to healthcare. I think, one, I think one of the advertisements was free leeches for everyone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe not. But that's crazy. That's a long time ago. It's 140 years ago, right? It's insane. You know, and sometimes I realize or I think about this and, you know, these different experiences that I've had that we haven't come very far <laughs> from that initial process 140 years ago. 
well. especially, you know, in places like Hungary and yeah, all of that. It's kind of interesting. There are actually only 32 countries that have a universal healthcare system, which is, you know, it's not bad, but it could be a lot better. And of course, we know the United States is not one of mm-hmm. those 32. The earliest country that has a true universal healthcare system in this, you know, we are not talking about Germany in the 1880s, but, you know, a more current one is Norway. Mm. And they developed it back in 1994, which is not that long ago. You know, universal health coverage has some pros, it has some cons, sometimes it's efficient, sometimes it's not. You know, it's interesting, there are, you know, some some of the cons, right? People say, well, you know, in, in this country, we have to wait months before we can get this surgery or whatever it happens to be. But on the pro side, there are very low or no co-pays, which makes it so much easier for low income people to access health care. Yeah. I just, whenever somebody tells me, and okay, the, the surgery thing, as far as when they can get surgery, that's a little bit different, but I've heard the argument. Oh yeah. Well, they have to wait like four hours in the emergency room before being seen, or they have to wait six hours before they're seen. And I, my retort is how much is six hours of your time worth? Because your bill in the United States could be a hundred thousand dollars going to that emergency room. Right. If you have to wait six hours and it's free, I'm thinking that's a good wage. <laughs> if I can eliminate a hundred thousand dollars in debt to wait six hours for a non life yeah, all day. In fact, I'll do yeah. it. I'll do it twice, twice a week, just to make that money. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we could actually come home with that money. That'd be awesome, right? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I waited sixteen hours once in an mm-hmm. emergency room, so you know, it's it, it can be insane. Yeah. Wow. Goodness. I so, mean. It, Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it, it, I mean, it's a lot to think about. I, I just want to clarify. So you're saying Hungary is not one of the 32 that has universal health care, right? <laughs> it is. They have some sort of a system, but it's not considered a true universal health care gotcha. system. Yeah. Because you said your insurance kicked in, which is a great thing to have travel insurance. Oh I'm my a gosh. believer of that. Absolutely. But, and, and when you were saying that, you said, this is what the people of Hungary have for their health care system. And it, right when you said that, I was like, uh, every day. That's all they've got. I mean, it's not just one of the things that they, that's all they've really got. And right. And yeah, that's really, really tough. Yeah, it is tough. And, you know, when we were talking about universal health coverage, it, you know, it sounds great. And in some places it is, but it's not necessarily sustainable healthcare. Mm, Okay. And this kind of goes back to podcast 14, when we talked about Uh, the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Number three is uh, good health and well-being. I was thinking about that and I thought, you know, a lot of healthcare does not really work for developing good health and well-being. Hmm. You know, it might uh, help us in an emergency, um, deal with a disease we've developed, but it's not very proactive, especially here in the United States. I can't say that for every country because I don't know, but I, you know, thinking about my experiences and, you know, what I have access to, it's not set up. Our system is not set up to help us create better health for ourselves and our families. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, the sustainable development goal that we're talking about I think a lot of people 
are looking at that as, oh, we need to, you know, do more for countries in South America or Africa, any of those things. And, and honestly, we really also need to do something here. One of the things I discovered is in, in relationship to the sustainable development goal number three is COVID really derailed many of the goals. And I'm not going to go into all the goals because I hope listeners will go back and check out podcast 14, but here are some not so great statistics. Eric. <laughs> I know you love them, but they're not, these are not that great. At the end of 2021, uh, COVID had disrupted health services in 92 countries. That's not surprising. No, it's not because it really did here as well. It halted the progress of developing universal health coverage here. Mm -hmm. Overall, and I've seen a number of articles on this lately, COVID has actually created a decline in global life expectancy. So I haven't seen a decline in that in quite a while. And, you know, it's interesting. We've noticed that there is a very much reduced immunization coverage on a global scale. We have access to immunizations pretty easily here if you need them or want them, Yeah, but a lot of places do not. The other thing COVID has done to us, not just, you know, making people sick and the unfortunate folks who did not survive COVID, but we've really seen an increase in depression and anxiety. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's interesting. And there's not honestly not enough mental health care providers to provide the services that so many people are needing right now. And then we also, of course, uh, no, I shouldn't say of course, but you know, we saw, uh, an increase in deaths from preventable diseases. And I'm not just talking about COVID I'm talking about tuberculosis and malaria. So these are all the things that have been happening over the last two and a half years. And as a side note, Eric, did you know that COVID-19 claimed the lives of a, a, over 115,000 healthcare workers? Oh my gosh. I did In, not know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's wow. staggering. It is staggering. And I don't think we talk about that or recognize sometimes the work that our frontline medical providers are doing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's really very interesting to, to have this realization that this pandemic has derailed so much progress that had been made on, especially on the sustainable development goal number three. When you really start looking at sustainable healthcare options and you know, the ideas around that, you'll find a lot, as you mentioned earlier, about waste production in healthcare. Definitely not sustainable. Mm -hmm. They, you know, you can't really recycle most of the plastic items that are used, especially think about in an emergency room. Yeah. You know, they have to be usually incinerated. Ugh, the pollution that mm. that would that is putting into the air it's the waste production is really off the charts again cuz there's really no way to recycle you know so yeah we have to as you mentioned look at ways to reduce waste but you know how do we do that what are the options you know it's plastic of course is made from oil so you know we want to 
definitely reduce our reliance on that. I don't know if we'll ever get rid of plastic in this world because there's so much of it, but it would be nice to be able to make some of these items out of more recyclable materials, or at least materials that weren't polluting as much when they are being incinerated. Yeah. So, you know what, I don't know how we do that. I'm not an expert in creating, you know, new products or, you know, looking for alternative sources. There are certainly brighter minds out there than mine. And I think that people will come up with something and that's my hope. So, Oh, I know I'm throwing a lot out here, but you know, this is really important. And I think it has to be 100% addressed by everyone. You know, this is our human experience, right? And how do we provide better healthcare and a better, better process? That's the big question, right? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And it, you know, it starts with better disease prevention rather than being reactive we need to be more proactive, mm-hmm. right? And I think people have talked about that in in many different ways, but we don't generally see it, especially in a healthcare system where a doctor is relegated to 10 or 15 minutes with each patient. I just, it, you know, we have to change that dynamic and look for a different way for, you know, doctors and physicians and nurses to be compensated yet provide their clients or patients with the time that's needed. So here in the U.S., the, our system is, is absolutely 100% focused on the care, as I just mentioned, of these developed diseases. But uh, we don't, again, we don't focus enough on, on prevention and mm-hmm. mental health and promoting those types of things. And, you know, in my opinion, well, this is my opinion, a sustainable healthcare system would really go back to the basics. And we would look at the prevention of diseases, again, not just COVID, but I don't know if you realize it, but there's been an outbreak of polio in the New, in New York state. What? Yeah. All it's right. pretty significant. I had not heard that either. Yeah. <laughs> Eric, you've got to do more reading. Apparently, <laughs> this is why I come here. I don't like to read. You know, I just want to talk. <laughs> right, and it is more fun. But there's really no reason we should be seeing this. Yeah, and this was eradicated here, and there are places around the world where it has made a little bit of a comeback. But when it really hits the United States, we start thinking, "Oh my gosh, we have to change that." Mm-hmm. When we're looking at a sustainable system we would look at a process and a service that is providing quality care all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Every day, all the time. We have to allow our we have individuals, us, people, uh, you know, access to doctors and specialists in an easier fashion. Because with some healthcare companies, it's very difficult to, mm-hmm. you know, to get the healthcare that you actually need. Here's a little, another little side note. A friend of mine, her son, uh, over, it, I guess it was July. It was in July. He was visiting family back East and his appendix ruptured. Oh, wow. Yeah. So here's this 18 year old kid 
and, you know, so you go to the hospital and you, you know, when your appendix ruptures, it's, it's kind of a big deal, mm-hmm. um, you know, and they put you on some really heavy duty antibiotics. And for him, they were IV antibiotics and the hospital didn't want to keep him there for a week just for that. So they were trying to convince the insurance company to send him home with an IV port so that he could get these antibiotics three times a day. The insurance didn't want to do that. Hmm. It makes no sense to me because it's much more expensive to stay in the hospital. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) But they did finally acquiesce and he was able to go home and do that. And he's perfectly fine. He's headed back to college this last weekend. Our healthcare system does not always equate to a sustainable process. Mm -hmm. I have been mentioning all of these different reasons why. So what do we do? How do we get that? Do you know, I was question that you're probably thinking, will a universal healthcare system actually happen in the US? I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I it's too much partisan. I was gonna say that's gonna get right into politics. <laughs> right? right? Yeah. Uh you know, and what about a single payer system? Is that the perfect answer? Mm, it's closer. Uh, you know, it's probably better than what we have now. Uh that's generally not a really good universal healthcare system. It's not going to be proactive, I guess is the best way to put it. Proactive healthcare. Uh, You know, this is bigger than me. (laughs) It's bigger Mm -hmm. than my podcast. Uh, But you know, what we really have to do is remember that, you know, UN sustainable development goal three, and this is really a human right to get healthcare for everyone. Yeah. No. And again, I don't have all the answers, you know, but I'll, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you, Eric, and I'll tell our listeners, our systems very nearly collapsed during COVID. And if we do not do something, if we don't create a better national and global healthcare system, we're going to have a problem. These universal healthcare systems are, you know, they create healthier people. They provide proactive services to every human who has access to it in that country or wherever it happens to be. And that leads also to more personal happiness. If you feel better, you're going to be happier. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Do you have questions? Well, I I want to share something with you because you made me think about this. And I don't know if this is, I mean, this is kind of a stereotype, I suppose, but I've heard before and I've experienced it myself. Guys don't like to go to the doctor, right? Yeah. And it used to drive my wife crazy because she'd be like, oh, you know, I, I pulled something in my back or I've got, you know, some, I hurt my arm or whatever it was. Well, just go to the doctor. No, no, I'm, I'm fine. It'll be fine. And she always chalked it up and I, I've never spoken this out loud, Kim. So it's <laughs> confession time. I'm laying on the couch, I think, yeah. but it's, I've never spoken this out loud. It wasn't that I was trying to act tough. It was in the back of my mind. I knew we couldn't afford it. I couldn't, I wouldn't go to the doctor multiple times. I took, I I put a nail in my foot one time and I had already had a tetanus. So I thought I'll be fine. Right. But I didn't go. I just, I pulled it out. I cleaned it as best I could. I, you know, slapped a bandaid on there, put my shoe back on and I limped for like two weeks. Right. But my thing is, is that we were young, Yeah. not a whole lot of money. I had one small child, another one on the way. 
there's no way that I'm going to go to the emergency room, rack up thousands and thousands of dollars of bills that I can't pay or that are going to decimate, you know, we're going to have to cut back on our groceries because that's where we were at the time, right? right. That's, we, we were so low income. And I never told my wife that, you know, she always just thought it was me being a tough guy, but it was always on my mind. I'm working hard to make this money and I'm going to go to the doctor and just gone. Yeah. I can't do that. You know? So, and I think that's a lot lot of people, not just men, but a lot of people's minds are like, is this worth me possibly going into a tremendous amount of debt? No, I'm not going to (laughs) go. Right. And that's the problem. Um, I think think that's one of the problems. There's many out there, but the financial aspect, which you alluded to earlier, that keeps a lot of people from going to the doctor just because they're fearful of what it's going to cost them. Right. And uh, emergency services as well, because a lot of healthcare plans in this country have co-pays to just to walk into the emergency exactly. room of $500, $1,000. Oh, you know, yep. I can see a lot of people avoiding taking care of things because of the high costs and co-pays and co-insurance. It's a pattern. I'll be honest, because I still don't, I will, I still won't go to the emergency room on the weekend unless it's absolutely necessary. I'm like, (laughs) I will lay here unconscious until Monday. How about that? (laughs) I'll I'll go Monday because there's not that huge fee. Yeah. Um, You know, it's just, I don't know. It's it's behavior I need to change, I suppose, but it's tough because that money question is always in the back of the mind. Yes. For many people, low-income families, especially in this country, uh, you know, Black, Indigenous, people of color, they really have a difficult access to healthcare and are often not treated equally. Mm -hmm. That is for another podcast. Yeah. You know, so this is the last thing I'm going to share on this podcast, but the big climate change bill that we just had a few weeks ago- Mm -hmm had a lot of provisions for healthcare in that bill. And I think a lot of people don't realize that, you know, we hear about the climate change stuff, which is great, but these provisions that are, and I'm just going to mention a couple are really going to help a lot of people. And the first one is this bill is really working to reduce Americans' medical costs, like we were just talking in two ways, providing federal subsidies to reduce the cost of their health insurance and prescription drugs. Mm -hmm. The second piece is this bill gives um, Medicare officials the ability to negotiate with pharmaceutical companies. They did not have that before. Mm. Yes, that's right. I heard of that. Yeah. Uh, Which is crazy because every other health plan absolutely has that. And this will eventually reduce the prices that the companies charge. And, uh, you know, maybe their profits will be hit a little bit, but that's okay. Because really this is Medicare. We're talking about low-income families. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this all will lead to reducing economic inequality, which is kind of what a you know, people call it Obamacare was supposed to do, but this new benefit or this new bill's benefits will really help the poor, the working class and middle-class families who frankly also have a tough time with medical costs. So, Absolutely. Yeah. The, and you know, people think, oh my gosh, this is, you know, it's going to cost money, but where's that money going to come from? Here's the part I like 
it's gonna it's gonna be born the the cost of this uh, of these processes will be passed on to corporations, and their taxes will help pay. Nice for you know the things that the the that the bill is uh, touting. So I think that's great. You know, as far as investing goes, when we think about a more sustainable system. Uh, you know, a lot of, a, a fair number of our clients want to, you know, remove pharmaceutical companies out of their portfolio, mm-hmm. but there is good out of a lot of pharmaceutical companies. Uh, you know, they, we have to get new drugs. We have to have better medications, uh, all the research and testing that goes around those things, as long as they're done ethically are all a good thing. Now, my stepfather, who has Alzheimer's, before he got, you know, he's pretty bad now, but years ago, he did a number of medical research studies on drugs through uh, the university healthcare system in Oregon. And that's all part of the process to get better medications for not just Alzheimer's patients, but people who have diabetes or, you know, any number of chronic diseases. So we have to have those things too. And when we have a corporation or a pharmaceutical company that is, remember the overcharging for the $500 for an EpiPen, (laughs) the backlash was great. And, you know, that really pushed the company to, to back off. So that's how we do that in investing shareholder resolutions, all of those things we talk about. And I think that's really important. So if listeners want to know more about that in their particular portfolios. We're happy to take a look at that and they can reach us at info at horizonssfs.com or on the phone at 505-982-9661. We'd love to talk to you. I love that. Let me ask you a quick question before we part here. Yeah. Um, Would you agree with the statement? The more that people invest in the good companies that are doing good work, and less invest in the companies that aren't doing well, the better those good companies are going to do financially and the worse the other companies are going to do financially. So therefore it's kind of like the cream rises to the top. I don't quite agree with that because it doesn't, when you buy a stock that is already on the open market, that doesn't go to the company. It goes to the seller of the stock. So Unless you're buying bonds, you're not giving an influx into those good companies, which is Mm. one way to do it. Or they're issuing new shares of stock. That's how they also create more money. Mm -hmm. I think it has a lot to do with more with perception. And, you know, that is what really moves the good companies to do better. So when we're saying, yes, we're going to own your company, their stock price rises, they have a better reputation. Yep. All of those things. And companies that are not doing well get those bad reputations and a lot of pushback now from investors and individuals and uh, government. Yeah. And that's why you're the pro. So, <laughs> so one more time, can you give your contact information out? Yes. Uh, info at horizonssfs.com. That goes to all of us in the office. Or you can give us a ring on the phone, 505-982-9661. Kim, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, A topic I had no clue about, I have a clue now. 
just a little bit. Yeah, but a, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks again for the podcast today. And of course, our last thank you goes to you listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Gregor Kyle. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Kim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Deep Impact Investing, the sustainable, responsible impact investing podcast that shows you how to invest like you give a damn. If you have questions about this podcast or topics you'd like to hear addressed on an upcoming podcast, email us at kim at horizonssfs.com. Join the conversation on Twitter at horizonssustfin or give us a call at 505-982-9661. Don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available. The companies we may speak about during our podcast are not recommendations for investment. Only you and your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. and its financial professionals do not render tax or legal advice. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guest and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. None of this content may be used or duplicated without the express written agreement of the podcast host.